It's Friday, and we are only days away, finally, from Super Bowl 56. The question is, what are the X factors that are going to make a difference in the way the game plays out? We're going to answer that. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We'll get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Sarah, you are in L.A. You are in the thick of it. We'll get to X factors in a second. But first and foremost, how is sunny, beautiful Los Angeles? It's great. Um, you'd be very impressed that I was mature last night. I did not stay out too late. I woke up at 6.30 this morning to go on a hike at Runyon before my day started. I did a panel. I did a meeting. I did a bunch of phoners. I got a lot of work done. I saw Trevor Lawrence again. Got to meet DK Metcalf last night. But I've so far been a very professional human being who has put all my focus on work. And that all ends as soon as this show ends. Oh, look at that. See, in a couple of hours, the, like... There's going to be an X Factor called alcohol for both of us in a couple of hours. But until we get there, let's get to some X Factors for this Super Bowl. We've been talking about it all week. And, uh, you know, we're going to stay away from the one big X Factor I think everybody's talked too much about, which is the offensive line versus Aaron Donald. Let's presume everybody listening knows that Aaron Donald is about to eat this offensive line for lunch. So let's look at other X Factors. What's standing out to you? One of the biggest things standing out to me is the Ramsey versus Chase matchup. I, I mean, obviously, this is something a lot of eyeballs are on. It might be too big of a deal to be considered an X factor. But when you watch how the Rams have faced up against other teams in the in the opening rounds of the postseason, Mike Evans is the closest thing that there's been to a Jamar Chase. They've really faced different kinds of weapons, like the Debo Samuels type, that you can't really compare to someone like Jamar Chase, especially the relationship between Chase and Burrow. How did they decide to cover him? In fact, um, this is something obviously a lot of folks have talked about. I thought Tim Hasselbeck, who was on Greeny today, um, was on to something the way he talked about how he would guard him. Here's what I think is the the unknown. I think if they're gonna play him straight up, then and it's Ramsey or somebody else. Like like I think that would favor Chase. Not to say that he's gonna have some like ridiculous day, but like look the way the rules are set up and how like it, it's hard to do that. Now I think if if the Rams and they may do this just because of the number of pass catchers Cincinnati has. Like if I were the Rams, I, like I, I would double Chase and then I would put Ramsey on Higgins. And so, you know, will they do that? I'm not sure, but gosh, that, that that's what I would do. I, I think Chase proved enough that you don't want to isolate him. I don't care who you're playing. And so, look, if you don't think they're going to do that and they're going to roll the dice with Ramsey, then I think that Chase has a good day. Mm. It's such, uh, such a smart analysis by Tim, and I don't like – there are moments that you listen to something and you think, why didn't I ever think of that? Like, that makes so much sense when you think about it. It gives the opportunity for them to double and minimize and then also take away T. Higgins. Like, I, I to me, that that so much logic behind it, I don't know right. why I haven't heard it elsewhere. Well, I mean, but also you're, you're then leaving it up to guys who are not Jalen Ramsey mm. to, t- to take out Chase. And as much as you don't want to see him in one-on-one, who's going to be the one to go tell Jalen Ramsey that you don't trust him to get it done? <laughs> Is all I'm saying. He made it very clear on his Zoom that he would like to be shadowing Jamar Chase all game. Um, that he has lobbied for it, but it's not quite that simple. And obviously, they don't, they don't have to do the same thing all game long. Um, obviously, Ramsey's size and speed, his ability to, to, to shut down guys. There is a risk going one-on-one. There's also a risk on sending two guys to cover one. Um, there's always going to be mismatches there, and it's n- whether or not some of those other Bengals guys can step up. What's one of your X factors? Well, for me, I'm going to look at the defensive side of the ball for Cincinnati, and a name that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to is Jesse Bates. Now, he's a safety 
for the Bengals and for anyone that hasn't paid any attention this so this far in the postseason. He's got five passes defended and an interception. He has been in the right place consistently. And one thing that really stands out to me, I went back because I had nothing better to do with my life, and I started re-watching some of these playoff matchups for the Bengals. And the Bengals' defense does not let you commit unforced errors without taking advantage of them. And we've mm-hmm. seen Stafford throw several picks uh, that were dropped. The Bengals, if you go back and look back, they they make those plays defensively. And Jesse Bates is a big part of why. There's been a couple of times it looked like he's beat. He closes in. He strips the ball away. He's a ball hawk playing really well, really hot in, this, in the uh, postseason particularly. And as has been pointed out, if you look back at every single game, the, the Raiders game ended with an interception. Tannehill threw a pick to end the Titans' hopes. Uh, Mahomes throws a pick in, in uh, overtime to end the, the Chiefs' home hopes. This defense takes advantage of mistakes, and I think Bates mm-hmm. is a huge part of that. I agree with that, and I also think we've underestimated or at least not talked about and given enough credit to the Bengals' ability to adjust based on who they're playing. We talked about after that Chiefs game their ability to drop eight in order to take away uh, what was working for the Chiefs in the first half of that game. Uh, They knew that they didn't need to blitz um, uh, 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 Patrick Mahomes in order to get the pressure that they needed. Can they do the same with Stafford and use it to take away cup space across the middle? Um, I think how they defend – and big plays from guys like Bates is going to be huge in this because we, despite you know giving them credit after that Chiefs win, we still have not given enough credit to the Bengals' defense throughout. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're getting you our X-Factors for the game. Who else stands out to you? What else stands out to you? Well, it comes right off of what we just talked about, which is the Bengals' defense, and it comes to Matt Stafford. You know, in talking to Bill Barnwell, he really opened my eyes to this because I think upon a first watch of some of these games, you think, oh, Stafford's been better. Right? He's been more consistent. The mistakes haven't been there in the same way. He isn't throwing away games, um, and that's really going to bode well for the Rams. And then Bill Barnwell dives into the All-22, and he really starts looking at everything, and he tells you, actually, he's been just as bad as he was when we were dogging him. The other team has just been unlucky. They've dropped basically fair catches right into their arms. I think this could be a huge part of this game. I think the Bengals' ability, like I said, to be flexible and diverse on what they're showing can confuse Matt Stafford and cause him to make mistakes. And if they take advantage and they can really, you know, use that, um, that's the key, I think, to them them winning. Um, uh, You know, this is a guy who's obviously got a ton of talent, but he's not without flaws. And, uh, you know, I think I think that could be huge. And Mina Kimes actually talked about what she thinks is like the big thing for the Rams. You know, we spent all week talking about the X's and O's, the matchups. How are they going to blitz? Will they blitz? What kind of coverage do they play? Will they slide protection? But sometimes football is really simple. And I think this game will be decided by one simple thing, whether Matthew Stafford turns the ball yeah, over. Yeah. And it's been the case all season. When he turns the ball over once or less, they're 13-1. and one. More than that? Two and four. And what puzzles me sometimes about the turnovers, Dan, is there's no real coherence behind them. I mean, we've watched them all over the course of the year and also in the postseason. It's not like it's just when he's pressured or when he's misreading coverage. They seem to come out of nowhere. So I'm going to go back to what you said. If Matthew Stafford plays a clean game, I think the Rams win. 
Man, that, coming out of nowhere, that music. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at Disneyland coming in hot there. Uh, but, I, you know, all of that makes sense, and all of that's going to be really difficult to do. I, I, both sides, uh, avoiding turnovers. We've talked about it all week, whether it's Cam Akers or whether it's Matthew Stafford. The, the Rams have put themselves in bad situations. Mm-hmm. The Bengals have taken advantage of that. I also keep thinking about Aaron Donald getting right in the face, uh, you know, of, of uh, Burrow and, and wondering what that's going to mean for mistakes. I'll say quickly one other that stands out to me, you know, we mentioned it earlier when it comes down to Ramsey versus Chase, but I think T. Higgins has the opportunity to be a real X factor in this game. Now, I'll admit my bias. I thought T. Higgins had the chance to really grow into being a top wide receiver. It's part of why last year I didn't think they needed Jamar Chase. I was wrong about that. You know, they they obviously look totally different, but T. Higgins is somebody that has had a couple of really nice catches in the postseason. He's also had a couple of really regrettable drops. He put himself out of bounds a couple of times too. Like, I'm looking at a guy that I'm saying, look, if they're going to put everything on Jamar Chase, man, there's going to be opportunity for T. Higgins. If he can take advantage of that opportunity, it completely changes the way this Bengals offense could look against the Rams. So those are some of our X factors as we keep looking at the Super Bowl. That's some straight talk. Straight talk wireless. No contract. No compromise. There's so much NFL news to get to throughout the course of the day as we prep the Super Bowl. We'll get you to some of it the best way we know how with some quickies next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. It's a Friday. A Super Bowl Friday with Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. I am in beautiful, sunny L.A. Fitz is in snowy, cold? Uh, it was in the 50s today in Connecticut. Ooh, Thank you very wave. much. People were in shorts. It okay. was, yeah, things were getting weird, like wow, neighbors like walking it. their dogs. I mean, I like it. pants optional sort of day in wow. Connecticut. Woo, okay. That's how you got down over there. I uh, didn't realize it. Didn't really fit right in over there. You see what well, happens when I have chicken wings. Go ahead. I don't even want to make the connection. <laughs> I literally have no idea what led you to that from what we just talked about. Just a man sitting pantsless in his house oh, eating no. some chicken wings. Uh, no. They better be lukewarm because you don't want a hot wing on a bare leg. No, that's, that's all I'm saying. Oh. Um, Spain and Fitz. <laughs> we got a lot of NFL stuff to get to ahead of the Super Bowl on Sunday. So we got to do it the only way this show knows how. Very quickly. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. So I love the enthusiasm around the Bengals fan base, and I love that they are really embracing this moment to the point that classes in Cincinnati for all public schools have been canceled for Monday, regardless of the outcome of the game. I understand. We're not quite there yet. I understand, Fitz that there's been a lot of misdaste for the pandemic. I understand that we're worried about kids getting behind, but this is the kind of thing that I love. When an entire city gets behind a team and says, you know what, I want y'all to enjoy it, teachers especially, I want you to enjoy it and be able to have fun and not worry about going to class the next morning. Yeah, I mean, and how many kids in Cincinnati are going to be up until the wee hours, you know, if they win particularly, everybody's going to want to celebrate. You know, I, I think it's brilliant. I think it, it leads to generational fandom, which is important. There, there are kids that are going to talk about this 30 years from now, about remembering, you know, the parties that they had for the Super Bowl. It, th- these are the sorts of memories for fan bases that mean so much, particularly to places like Cincinnati. It's just it's hitting so hard in that city in every good way. I love all of this. And by the way, you're right. A lot of it's for the teachers. We don't want the teachers to have to sober up. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. I mean, the kids can probably roll their butts down there and figure it out, but let's let the teachers, you know, hit it hard and have a little fun. They've earned it at this point. All right, next story. Quickies. 
Okay, we've been trying to figure this out, and I don't know if we've actually had a chance to talk about it on the show, but we were going to talk about it when Kyler Murray scrubbed his Instagram, his social feeds, no longer seemed to be connected to the to the you know the Cardinals. We were a little confused about it, but we, there was a little part of us that thought this has got to be for a Super Bowl ad. This just seems very out of character. Well, now the Cardinals have scrubbed their Instagram, and it's left up just two photos, and they're both of Kyler Murray. Okay, it's all very confusing. Um, I, I think it's inevitable that this has got to be about an ad, right? And do you think that's a good move for a guy who had a season end the way it did? Yeah, it's got to be for some sort of a weird product. You know, like all I can imagine is that we're going to find out that the Cardinal Stadium is being renamed like Match.com or something, and they're going to find each other and match as the, right. the Super Bowl happens. Like there's got to be some tie-in to the team and the player where they're both making so much money that they don't care about the grief. That Like even, you know, DeAndre Hopkins on interviews today was having to answer questions about Kyler Murray's social media. Like that's where we are now, that everybody's going to look at all of it. Uh, our, our buddy Mike Golick Jr. was tweeting he still thinks it's some sort of NFT-related thing. Like mm. there's got to be something. Thing to it, I, I just can't believe that it's uh, they've taken to social media to do this public breakup. I guess I'm also wondering how much you have to get paid to be willing to get rid of everything on your social media. That would make me sad. Three I have a lot of good memories there. Three dollars and fifty cents. Okay, but cents. you don't post. <laughs> you don't care about yours. You're a normal human being who has a healthy relationship with your phone. I do not. Yeah, I notice I put in the extra fifty cents. You never know where that's going to go. Three fifty <laughs> apparently is going right. Yeah, and then for the team to do it, uh, is this company paying the team? That's I don't know if we've seen really a team get involved that way in an ad. Yeah, and it is weird. Like I, I will say, you know. When I toured with the band Perry, there were a couple of times to promote records that they did a full social media scrub. It's a way to tell people you're about to drop something, right? And you can't just get that back. Like, it's not an easy yeah. thing to do. So you're right. From the team standpoint, boy, that was a decision. Yeah. It's very strange. Uh, the whole thing better have a really good payoff because you know they're going to get dogged for it if they do a big thing like that. And then it's kind of like... Mur, mur, for a like, lame Super Bowl commercial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They better They better really sell that. All right. Next story. Quickies. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Friday before the Super Bowl doing a little NFL quickies. This was a funny one, too. We're both extremely pumped for the halftime performance. Me more so, obviously, because I'll actually be there and get to see it in person. <laughs> but we're both very excited, and we have a lot of questions about who's going to play what, how many songs is each person going to get, how are they going to fit all those powerhouses you know, into the short amount of time. Bon Jovi is now involved. Now, Rest assured, he will not be taking the stage with Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, and Eminem. We got enough folks up there. I don't want to see a welcome, you know, a California love times uh, uh, living on a prayer mashup. I think we're good. But allegedly, <laughs> Bon Jovi and Red Hot Chili Peppers songs are being blared to cover up the sounds of the Super Bowl rehearsals. So if you're going by SoFi Stadium, you're just listening to a constant loop of Bon Jovi and Red Hot Chili Peppers, and apparently some residents who live near the stadium aren't super pumped about the music being played deep into the night. Uh, and now, of course, I don't think Bon Jovi and, 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 and Red Hot Chili Peppers are pretty excited either about their, their music essentially being used to troll at this point. Yeah, and, and look, I, Bon Jovi is my first concert, and they are one of my favorite bands, and I love so many of those songs, but I could only hear Living on a Prayer so many times before I'd want to <laughs> kill somebody. So I can't imagine what it's like being in the neighborhood, and it's just over and over, wow, wow. I mean, no, I'd be out on all of that like now. <laughs> Uh, do you remember that awful story about that town? I want to say it was in San Diego where they used a, just an endless repeat of Baby Shark to try to get 
um, uh, homeless people from sleeping in a park. It was Florida. Of course it was Florida. Of course, of course it's Florida. Of course it was Florida. Wow. Just terrible. Yeah. Just terrible. It's Spade and Fitz. Uh, next story. Quickies. Okay, so uh, I know that we have... Uh, I know that we've talked about uh, food a lot on this show. I know that you have talked about eating wings pantsless. Is that your Super Bowl plan? Is that the go-to recipe for you when there's a big game is uh, just take off your pants and have some wings? Uh, well, no. I mean, I will say this. Connecticut, very, very, very proud of their wings. And J-Tims are a delight. But you can't get them. They're sold out. Like, I can't I can't wow. lay, late to the party to get J-Tims. And they've, they've sold everything that they can possibly sell. So I'm doing a digital uh, pregame show before the Super Bowl. I will be showing up uh, late uh, to watch the Super Bowl. So I'm just going to bring alcohol. That's my plan. But uh, I do have a, like, I there's a, a potato. You never stop working. I, I know. You well, that's, 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 you know. Louise, dude. I mean, Take a day off. Well, uh, something, you know, that's easier said than done around the Super Bowl show around here. Like, they didn't send me to L.A., but they still found a way to work me. Uh, but, no, there there is a um, there is a potato recipe. I always make uh, cheesy potatoes Ooh. that I grew up on. And it's like, it's the frozen, uh, you know, a rider like uh, yeah. chunky potatoes. You put them in just like a, 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 like a, a bowl. And you take about mm-hmm. half a carton of sour cream. And mm-hmm. then you take a bunch of like a huge block of Colby Jack and a huge block yes. of pepper jack cheese. You put them both mm-hmm. in there. You mix in a cream of mushroom soup. And then you Ew. just uh, you, ho- you heat that thing up. And the soup uh, gives it consistency. You don't taste mm-hmm. the soup at all. And then you, you heat it up and bam, you got like this creamy potato cheese dish thing that's, oh, delight. Okay. Put, you put had me until the that. mushrooms because I hate mushrooms. Okay. But... I will tell you my recipe. Um, it is, uh, you know what? I'm going to post it on Twitter. It's only three ingredients. It's the greatest thing, and I know that people are going to love it. It's known affectionately as crack dip, mm, and it okay. is made of all the best things in life. Basically, mayonnaise, sour cream, cream cheese, cheese, like just, it's it, an onion. It's like white, and you don't know what's in it, and you just can't stop eating it. Uh, we want to hear yours, though. So at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, your go-to extra special Super Bowl recipe, maybe just big game recipe, depending on the game. Uh, we can share them around. People who are looking for something to make on Sunday will have something good to cook up. I'll add mine. Fitz will add his. You add yours. Coming up next, former NFL receiver tells us which team has the better wide receiver group. It's next. Spain and Fitz, Friday on ESPN Radio. Oh, we're finally inching closer. Only days away from the Super Bowl. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in tomorrow night for college basketball action as Michigan hosts Ohio State. Coverage begins at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. When you want to talk about Super Bowls and wide receivers, you got to talk to guys that have been there and guys that know the position better than anybody. And this is one of them. Pierre Garçon joining us. Uh, Pierre, I really appreciate your time. I wanted your insight because so much of this matchup we're looking for this weekend in the Super Bowl is about wide receivers. You've watched these guys. What is it about Cup and Jamar Chase that makes them so good at what they do? Oh, man, shoot. Both are very different players. but Both are very good players. You know, Jamar Chase, he's a big guy. You know, he, his taking to the house abilities are, you know, what makes him even more special because, you know, you don't expect a guy that big to be that fast, and he's very consistent. A Cooper Cup, he's actually a, 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 a guy that just stays open. He has the yards out to catch as well, but, you know, he works in the middle of the field more often, but he's definitely a big player that shows up at all the times, you the know, right the, times. There's been such a change, it feels like, in the NFL over the last few years. Young wide receivers come in, and they're able to make an impact faster. What's evolved in the game that's allowing that to happen? 
Um, you know, every everybody's getting younger and playing sooner. You know, back then, you know, you sit and wait and watch. Now they're like, hey, we're paying you. You need to go out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always follow the money, right? It just makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. But realistically, from a from an offensive standpoint, how tough is that for a wide receiver coming from college to be able to step in and get all of the concepts that the NFL asks you to learn? Well, apparently with these young receivers, it doesn't take long. But it all depends on, you know, the comfort, comfort level that the players have at the level that they're playing well with the new team that they're playing. Because sometimes it's transfer over easy from, from – high school to college, but sometimes that is easy from college to the pros. You know, it's different. The ball's different. The speed's different. The playbook's different. You know, defenders are different. Um, and your confidence, you know, you, you have to rebuild it coming from, from starting all over again. So some guys can do it. Some guys can't do it. And some guys excel, just like Cooper Cup, that we didn't think would excel you know, like this. You know, and that, that's interesting to me because Odell Beckham Jr. changes teams in the middle of the season and manages to find rhythm. You you played for a few different teams. How tough is it to work your way in with the new quarterback and get a feel and get a feel of a new offense? Uh, it, is, it is tough because you're always second-guessing yourself and you're not sure if you did something correct or were in the right space at the right time because, you know, you're just, like, not comfortable yet. But it, 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 you get locked in quick because they everybody knows your situation that, you know, we're trying to get you on board. And you know, after a while, you get used to it. But it's just still second-guessing yourself. Like, all right, did I do that correctly? Why didn't I get the ball? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking to Pierre Garçon on Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz hanging out with him. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about the Super Bowl. You played in one. And, and when you talk about adrenaline and trying to control it and make it just another game, how difficult is it to lock in and just play football when you're on that stage? Uh, well, it's when the game starts, you know, you, it's easier to lock in. Uh, but, like, throughout the week, obviously the week is just, you know, more more emphasized on the actual Super Bowl and it's being the last game, but all the festivities around it during the week makes it tough. But during the game, you know, you're, it's it's easy to lock in and have a lot of drink because you know this is literally the last game and you don't want to lose it. Like, you're willing to run through a wall <laughs> for the last game. So many of the athletes I work with here are creatures of habit, and then you think about how that game feels different in its presentation. Like, we keep talking about the halftime show, right? Like, But those are all weird mm-hmm. variables. Is that Does that impact any of the way your mind goes into the game? Um, you don't realize that, it, that, you know, these things drag along because the national anthem, the flyover, all these awards, or, you know, things before the game that, like, all right, this is not a regular, like, you know, game where I wanted two announcements and then, you know, you're playing. So it's like a lot of commercial breaks in. Halftime is longer, but when you prepare for it or you know it's going to happen, I guess, the second go-round, it's easier. But you literally are anxious to do that first kickoff. You are anxious to, you know, once halftime starts, you're anxious to get back out there. But it's an extended amount of period, extended amount of time that you know, just changes from a regular game. When you're watching the Super Bowl as a former player, what are you looking for early on to figure out who's in the right space? Uh, when I watch football, I just usually watch the receivers, their re- releases off the line of scrimmage, the DBs, the positions, like the coverage that they're showing pre-snap read and the coverage that they go to during the play. Um, and then those kind of guys go off the screen and the ball, the camera goes to the quarterback. So I kind of see what he's doing. Is it a three-step drop, five-step drop? Or is it a play action? However it goes, but I usually just watch the receiver no matter what game it is because I watch those positions, the, my position. Which offense do you think has the biggest advantage in this game? Uh, easily, without a doubt, we say the Rams. 
<laughs> well, you know, you're smarter than I am. Like, I figure maybe I missed something. So, you know, we, we tend to, when we spend all week talking about one game, we overcomplicate everything, Pierre. Like, that's just part of what we do, you know. That's just a part of our time. You're just human beings. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know you're uh, you're doing some work around the Super Bowl with Maximum Bet. What can, what can you tell us about Maximum Bet? Uh, Maximum Bet is awesome, man. They have a lot of great um, – so they have a lot of support from the fans and they have a lot of things for the fans, especially with the parties and, you know, different betting props for, you know, our fans to bet responsible. Um, you know, it's not to try to, you know, win the big bets about, you know, betting on unique stuff as such as who wins the coin toss at the start of the game, um, who is the first to score a touchdown, uh, who's the, what color is this, the Gatorade once a coach gets it thrown on his, you know, head after the victory. You know, these are unique bets that are entertaining for the fans and just, you know, try to mind the fans to be responsible. Man, we appreciate your time. Thanks uh, thanks so much for the insight and the great work. Appreciate you hanging out with us. And uh, congratulations on a great career. Love the chance to get to talk to you now, my friend. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Spain and Fitz, Sarah. Spain, Jason, Fitz, Sarah. I, I thought of a recipe I left up that's really easy. The easiest thing in the world for everybody to make for their right. Super Bowl that's super yeah. easy. You just get one of those huge things of brie, like the big things of brie yes, that they sell. Uh-huh. You get rid of the white all over the out. Like you can just you know I scrape that keep off. The white, but either way it works. Now for this, I usually scrape it off. But then okay. you just get a, an entire package of the crescent rolls, right? Yep. You lay them out on the on the cookie sheet, and then you slap the brie in the middle of it, and you wrap the crescent roll all around it. You put some mm-hmm. butter on top of it. You throw it in the oven, and you heat it up, and then bam, you've just got this tearaway crescent roll brie. Oh. Agreed. I'll make it even better for you. Um, one most important thing is you have to make sure that you fold over the crescent roll evenly across all parts. Otherwise, some might be doughy and some might be undercooked and some yeah. might be overcooked. So that needs to be even also a great addition to that is if you put a layer of fresh uh, raspberries oh. underneath. So on top of the brie wheel, underneath the crescent roll, and they get baked in. Oh, delicious look at that uh, now yeah. what uh, this is this is what i don't know like is there a part of you that regrets being in la because you won't be able to eat all those great foods instead you're gonna have to just go to the oh super bowl? man i don't know i'm just gonna be at the super bowl probably in like a really sick like maybe like a gatorade suite with all the <sighs> other guests you know i saw like peyton and eli and archie today the mannings the, you know all the usual folks that are part of the gatorade family hanging with abby wambach and her wife glennon doyle you know, so I don't know. It's a real toss-up whether I, I get to make the brie I've made a million times in my life and can just make the next day or if I want to be at the Super Bowl. Okay, so follow-up question to that. Two questions. Number one, uh, is Brad going to this? Is like Brad in the suite with you? Oh, yeah, plus you? ones. Plus okay. ones, baby. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. you know, you took the wrong person. Like, A, I'd be way more fun. <laughs> like, Brad, Brad's not going to be near. He's funnier than I am, but I'd be more fun. Than- Number two, if you're in a suite at the Super Bowl – how self-conscious do you have to be about the amount that you eat and drink? Like, I genuinely don't know to, to that right. level. Like, do you I, just- I have zero concern over whether people think I'm eating too much of the Super Bowl, but drinking, you do have to keep it together because, you know, we're, you're kind of going with that brand. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, uh, I've got an extra special right out of my closet. I haven't worn them a lot, but I, Gatorade years ago sent me an ultra-exclusive Gatorade Jordans collaboration. <sighs> So I have two pairs of Jordans that are, like, you can't buy them anywhere. These are um, orange and white. They've got little mini Gatorade bottles as the lace tighteners. This is, like... The bottom of the sole says, be like Mike. 
you know, I, I don't have a lot of free stuff envy from people, but your Gatorade swag, like, it's good, it baby. is on point. It's like, good. every time you post it, I just look at it, and I'm like, golly. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it. And, and I'm with you. Like, I'm also usually, contrary to popular belief, when I'm out in public, I never like to be the most intoxicated person in public. Like, I'm, no. I'm very good at that. I just never, I, I always wonder when I've been in suites for big sporting events, I look around, I'm like, if there's only a few hot dogs left, is it okay if I have my third one, or is it not right, okay? Right, That's right, the great right. question. Well, so I'm never going to be that person so right. i guess that's why i don't worry about it that's probably fair yeah that, that, that's she's not the one that's housing three hot dogs a minute they walk in the suite i am the one that like i even eat a healthy meal first and then as i get to the stadium i'm like that hot dog smells good i'll have three of them all right uh speaking of the super bowl it's prop bet time we're gonna break down some of the wildest and most interesting prop bets give you our thoughts next Spain and fits on espn radio and the espn app from now we will be knee deep in super bowl ads chicken wing sauce pizza dip sarah will be knee deep in the sweet life in la the super bowl is finally almost here the question is what can we make of all the analytics and what prop bet opportunities are out there we're going to find out from an expert spain and fitz on espn radio the espn app sirius xm channel lady sarah spain jason fitz spain and fitz is presented by progressive insurance protecting small business with specialized coverages for commercial vehicles more at progressivecommercial.com some people you talk to just make you smarter and make you better at understanding what you're seeing and this guest definitely does that espn sports analytics writer seth walder joins the show seth thanks for the time man i appreciate it and it's interesting because i love following you on twitter everybody should follow seth at seth underscore walder you get a real sense of a ton of different analytics but one thing that you tweeted out earlier today that i thought was interesting is route tree differences between cooper cup and Jamar Chase, and it speaks to how much they've got Cooper Cup doing right now. What, in your mind, when you look at something like that between those two receivers, what stands out to you when you look at their route trees side by side? So to me, the first thing is, like, it's so cool that you have these two receivers who have been some of the best players in the NFL this year, and they play the same position, but in a, in a totally different way, right? Like, you have Jamar Chase streaking up the sideline for these goes and deep fades, and and you've got Cooper Cup, who's just like dominating the middle of the field. Like they're almost the inverse of each other. These these two charts. And, and the other thing is just like the versatility you see in Cup's chart, right? Like just every direction possible, he's got routes going. He's got all these like deep overs from the slot. And I think that probably is you know good part of what makes him so dangerous is that he's so versatile. So now put me in a defensive coordinator's shoes. I see these analytics, and what does it mean for trying to stop somebody that's that versatile? Oh, God. I mean, that's, you know, that's sort of the, the brutal question. And I think, you know, I watched NFL Live earlier today. They, they were talking about it, and I, I trust uh, Orlovsky and Ryan Clark more than myself. But I think what they what, what you just have to do is, gosh, I'm not sure there's a perfect answer, Jason. You know, like that's that's the thing is like, what are you what are you supposed to do when you have someone who can go against you? You know, in in every single every single way, right? Like they talked about all his choice routes, and what you just have to do is hopefully guide him in a place where you have help, right? I think that, I think that that makes sense. And you know, the one thing you know is that he's probably not running like a lot of straight go routes against you. So you can you can you can use that knowledge, I guess. But everyone's known that all year, and it hasn't helped. 
Now, one thing you did today that I thought was spectacular, the, the podcast is up with Bill Barn, but we always have Bill on this show. Bill's friend of the show. He's practically the third member of this show, and uh, you did some really good work on prop bets specifically. But I, I always find this interesting because when you're looking at gambling, but you're also looking at everything from a super analytical mind, we'll start with the, the, the real surface thing here. Like when you're trying to figure out what props stand out to you, how much are you relying on the data that you see when you start breaking this stuff down? Like almost a hundred percent. I mean, I might have an intuition about something, but if but that's only going to lead me to sort of checking checking the data. And then the other factor is like what I like to think about is like what do we know that maybe the market doesn't? Is there anything? You know, we're fortunate that to have access to player tracking data at ESPN, and so one of the reasons why I spent a lot of time uh, last off season and recently looking at sacks is that I felt like we have these our pass rush win rates, and that's not fully public information and maybe there's some signal in there and I think there is. And so if we have anything that's that's got like proprietary, that might give us if, if there's gonna be an edge, that's probably where it's gonna be. So yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it's I'm always, you know, relying on the information, the data that we have. So when you look at something like pass rush win rate, which, by the way, I, I just wish we'd come up with a different name. It's so hard for me to say. Uh, <laughs> when we when we figure that one out, what does it say to you about this game with props? What what stands out to you that you like? Firstly, I think I named pass rush win rate what it is, but I also agree with you that it is very difficult <laughs> to say. Um uh, I'm sorry. I, I lost the second track of your question. What no, I, but by out? the way, Back like one? now I owe you an apology because the number of times on air <laughs> I've said, I want to meet the, you know, who the figured out, I can't even shorten it to pervert. Like that doesn't even work either. Like, by the way, that that's not my finest moment. So yeah. When you look at pass rush, win rate, win, see, there we go. What stands out see, to no, you no, for no, this I, game? <laughs> I'm with you totally. So, to, okay. When I look at the win rates, the thing that really stands out is, you know, it's the obvious one, right? Like the, the the incredible mismatch between the offensive and defensive line, the Bengals offensive line and the Rams pass rush. And I think sometimes we talk about mismatches and it's like kind of there. This is like a truly extreme case. The Bengals are the 30th best pass block win rate team. The Rams are the best pass rush win rate team. And I think that kind of sells them because they were the best pass rush win rate team in the regular season. Uh, and that was with Von Miller playing like, okay, uh, and then in the postseason, he's been a totally different player, truly, truly dominant. He's got the highest pass rush win rate season or postseason of anyone in the metrics, like short history, just since 2018. Um, and so, and we're talking about that's their second best pass rusher, Von Miller. So uh, it's a, such a dramatic mismatch. Aaron Donald is going to go against two bottom five guards. And I have such a hard time seeing how Burrow and the Bengals offense is going to get going when they're going to have these guys bearing down on him all game long. We're talking to Seth Walder. Seth, uh, another uh, piece of information here I thought that was interesting with the props is uh, everybody's got all eyes on Cam Akers and the under 62 and a half was something that it looks like you are, you're liking this one. Oh yes. I like the under here. And so in this case, there's, the idea is that Cam Akers, it's an amazing story, right? Like, you know, he's come back faster than anyone could have imagined uh, from his Achilles injury. And But when we look at the metrics, he's rush yards over expectation, which is basically like at the time of the handoff, based on where everyone is and how fast they're going, we can determine what's the expected yardage that a running back should get. And then we see how they perform relative to that. 
Can Acres has performed well under expectation, negative 0.88 yards per carry under expectation, over expectation, and that's bad. So, like, performance-wise, it hasn't been there, and you're talking about what is potentially a three-man backfield because Daryl Henderson was activated. You've got Sony Michelle there, and so I'm just not convinced that Cam Akers is going to get a dominant share of this workload if they end up going splitting it three ways or even if he goes 50-50, I think that 62-and-a-half line is too high. And so I really like this under just from kind of like a circumstances standpoint. And I don't think it's crazy to think that the Rams probably look at Akers the same way and say, okay, maybe we can give him some carries, but I'm not sure that he should be carrying the ball for us 18 times. Talking to ESPN Sports Analytics writer Seth Walder on Spain and Fitz. So uh, what's another prop that stands out to you based on the data? So one uh, that stands out to me, uh, I mentioned sacks earlier. I like Trey Hendrickson's under, uh, under half a sack. It's plus money, plus 110 at Caesars. Uh, I spent some time building a, building a model out uh, over the last week or so to work on this. And th- the real key here is just like the difference in the sack rate between the between like Burrow and Stafford or the Rams and Bengals. Like there are sacks that basically double the rate that Stafford is. And so you, that, there's just less to go around for the Bengals. And I think that that hurts Hendricks in there. And so, you know, the way, the way my numbers shake out, gave it a 59% chance that he would go once you exclude the pushes uh, under, uh, which is a pretty big difference from, you know, plus 110. So that one stood out to me. As somebody that is so deep into the analytics portion of this in such a great way, is there a trend you've seen in the playoffs so far that just doesn't make sense based on the analytics? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the two teams with the largest difference in their EPA per dropback and their EPA per design run are the Rams and Bengals. And so what I mean by that is these two teams have the largest difference in how efficient they are passing the ball than running the ball. They're much more efficient passing the ball. And that means that they are, that is telling us that they are well too much. They are suboptimally choosing their run pass rates. And yet here they are (laughs) here in the Super Bowl. And I think it speaks to firstly, like the quality of the, the Rams passing game overall, or both, both their passing games, to be honest with you, that they've been able to overcome that. And I find that, somewhat confounding I think it's a little bit like the Rams you can see it right like they're one of the very best passing offenses you can you can overcome that the Bengals to me it's been surprising I really thought all those are early down carries that they've given to Joe Mixon uh that especially last especially in the conference championship game would end up costing them and they've been able to overcome it overcome that too but if the Bengals are going to win this game it's going to be because of Joe Burrow and I, I think they ought to put the ball in his hands as much as possible Follow him on Twitter. It's at Seth Walder. Follow him on Twitter. And uh, by the way, impressive that you're on TikTok because I'm not Seth. So uh, there we go. <laughs> Seth makes us better at our jobs every single day. Your information's great on Twitter, man. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks so much, brother. Thanks, Jason. So all of that breakdown leads us to a very simple question about Joe Burrow, but not just Joe Burrow, the player on the field. Joe Burrow, the likable dude off the field. When will the likability Rub off on all of us for Joe Burrow. Spain and Fitz next. It's on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Did you know drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average? Call or click today. 
Let's get some thoughts on all things Super Bowl and NFL in general. The Titans wide receiver Chester Rogers joining us now. And, and Chester, before we get to the Super Bowl, let's start with your coach. Mike Vrabel wins coach of the year. You're around him all the time. What makes Vrabel so special? Um, Oh, my gosh, man. Coaches, he's great. I mean, uh, the thing that makes him, he's relatable. You know, we can all relate to him. He played the game for 14 years. He just does whatever is best, you know, in the best interest for the team. So, man, we love him. You, you know, you've played for a couple different teams. Do you notice in terms of, you know, what, what things are like with the Colts, what things are like with the Titans? Is there a massive culture shift? And do you think that mostly comes down to head coach? Yeah, well, one thing I can say, uh, the, the two teams, the culture is kind of the same as far as what, you know, the expectations, man. Um, you know, they expect us, expect the best out of us. They're going to coach us hard. But the two coaches, it's a difference. Like, <laughs> you know, Braves, he, he's loud. He's you know, he's yelling all the time. He's going to cuss you out. But, you know, it's all out of love. And then, you know, back in Indy, you know, it's a little it's a little quieter, you know. So that's the difference between the two coaches. But um, like I said, man, Mike, he's great. I mean, and so for a wide receiver in the NFL, we're, we're talking a lot about the wide receivers that are playing in this weekend's game. Who who in the league do you watch and, and really look up to and, and admire their game from afar? Oh, man, uh I'll say one. I know right off top is Cole Beasley. That's that's my guy. I love to watch Cole. Um, I like Stefan's game. Um, obviously, you know, Cooper Cup. You know, those guys um, in a slot, you know, I try to pay attention to them a lot. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio talking to Chester Rogers of the Titans. One of the most fascinating things to me about this weekend's game is how they decide to cover Jamar Chase. Do they put Jalen Ramsey on him all game long? Um, you know, what is that going to look like? When you're watching a game like this, I don't know. Some people have said they don't watch the Super Bowl, so I hope you watch it. But are you focused in on those <laughs> wide receiver and secondary matchups? Absolutely. I feel like it's a heavyweight battle, uh, especially with Chase and, you know, Ramsey. Um, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, how they're going to play it. Uh, I definitely think they're going to try to, you know, let Ramsey travel with Chase. But then at the same time, you know, they, they play Ramsey in the slot. So, uh, you know, it just got to fit into the defensive scheme. So uh, I think it's going to be a great matchup, though. Yeah, you come off a season with, you know, the Titans obviously had the number one seed. There were big expectations. It didn't work out. Uh, like, how long does it take as a player to really put last season behind you and start getting ready for next one? Ooh, I'm still. <laughs> that's a good question. I'm still feeling it, honestly. Uh, I haven't watched too much football since. I haven't paid too much attention to the media. Just because, you know, it's still a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, I feel like we're supposed to be here right now, getting ready to play in two days. Uh, but, you know, um, you got to move on and get back in, in the gym and get prepared for, you know, the next season. You know, free agency is about to come up in March. So I've been just trying to, you know, clear my mind and get ready for that. All right, we're not rushing you into that yet. You get to enjoy the off season. We don't ha we don't need you to think about all that. Just this season's not technically over yet, so you're okay. You got some time to enjoy right, yourself. Right. Uh, do you have plans to watch the game Sunday? What are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I'll, I'll probably watch it with a critical eye. I probably won't watch it. Um, I'll no be you know party. judging and you know. I need to I need to just watch it as a fan. I'm gonna try my best to just watch it as a fan. So I'll I mean, be somewhere paying attention. Uh, where, where are you going to be? Because, you know, obviously, like, I lived in Nashville for 20 years. So, like, uh, you know, is there is there like Fitz a – wants someone to hang out with. Is there, no, I'm, in, like, where I'm are in Connecticut. You? I have Maybe to work. Come to right? your house. I got to work. I, you know, I'm not trying to invite myself. I'm just wondering, like, what the Nashville – like, what's the food spread going to be like? Because, you know, Nashville is obviously a pretty pretty solid food town. Like, do we have a, a go-to thing that you've, you've started eating since you came to the Titans that you're carrying with you wherever you're partying for the Super Bowl? 
Uh, we'll see. I'm actually in L.A. right now, but I can't oh. say about Nashville. It's a hidden gem, man. I love Nashville. Uh, one of the spots that, you know, me, Julio, and uh, Bud, AJ, the rest of the guys, we would go to a restaurant called Jeff Ruby's right downtown. Heck yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you're – yeah, Jeff Ruby's. That's our spot right there. We'd, <laughs> we'd go there at least twice a week. You know, it depends on, depends on what's going on. So, uh, yeah, if we were in Nashville, we would definitely be there watching the game. Oh, I went to a place in Nashville. They had the most amazing sweet potato – potato skins and we ordered like four of them we just they just kept coming nashville's a good good mm. eating town you get but yourself you're in LA, fat though. nashville yeah that's true and you really can't i mean I'm, I'm i'm from chicago too so i know about places that'll get you fat if you get excited about the food yeah. there <laughs> uh, we're talking to chester rogers of the titans here on spain and fitz um so are you gonna hit some of the parties up in la do you have some of the spots in mind i'm here as well i'm not inviting myself over to your parties either but i just thought maybe we'd be at the same ones you know just wanted to check in what your plans were yeah, I'm gonna definitely try to reach them uh, and try to get to all to all of them as, as possible. You know, it looks good on paper. You see the schedule. Oh, I have to be here and here, and then next thing you know, after the second event, you're dead tired. So I'm gonna try right. to pace myself. Wait, who's scheduling you? <laughs> are you repping? Are you repping some brands? <laughs> no, 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 no. So I'm, I'm with my agency, you know, Rosenhaus. Got they, they got me pretty much set up. So, um, nice. so yeah. I mean, you're, you're also though like we're we're sort of dancing around one of the things in your past because you're in L.A. And you have an mm-hmm. acting background, so like you, you out there like getting some roles right. while you're hanging out, like you, you, you working on something, like you want to, we want to drop some knowledge on us here. Uh, maybe not, maybe not this weekend, but uh, definitely that's that's something I'm um getting back into uh, this off season. So uh, I don't know, you just have to stay tuned and see, but definitely that's coming in the near future. Yeah, Fitz, you buried the lead here. So he was uh, he was an actor growing up. He was a younger version of Billy D. Williams in his That's first it. movie, Constellation. He also worked with Cuba Gooding Jr. on Dirty. He was in Medea's Family Reunion, reanimated on the Cartoon Network. You had a bunch of roles. So do you get the itch mm-hmm. during football, or are you totally fine with putting that to the side until your football career is done? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've put it to the side, you know, uh, since, I've, since college, you know, um, but, you know, I'm, obviously I'm itching to get back into it. Uh, I love it. It's something I love to do. So the moment I can kind of clear up my schedule, you know, towards the end of my career, um, I'm going to definitely, you know, start dipping and dabbing back into that industry. Look at that. Th- that's when you know you're living the life. Like when you're like, you know what, when I'm done in the NFL, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the whole, like, acting next to, you know, Cuba yeah. Gooding Jr. Man, Dabble in some Hollywood action. I'm just saying. Uh, Chester, next time I'm in town, uh, Jeff Ruby's, we'll, j- just make Julio buy. That's the only thing. Like, the place is pricey, you know? Like, we, we, we got to go on, on, on Julio's one. <laughs> Hey, man, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Like, enjoy the Super Bowl. Thanks for the time, brother. We appreciate you. Thanks. I'll see you at the parties later. We can talk offline so Fitz doesn't feel bad, you know, about us hanging out with us. (laughs) Son of a... All right. See ya. What's it say, Sarah, that, like, you're just trying to get into the parties. I'm trying to get dinner and then trying to get it bought for me. Like, I, you know, I'm, I think about that. Like, maybe maybe I should have offered to buy him dinner, and then that yep, would that, that would have been the way to do it. I think just not inviting yourself over to an NFL player's house is the first step. Okay, well, that's probably step number one. Uh, you know, totally not related note, but if I wanted to go to dinner with a buddy in Nashville, you you, you want to Venmo me? Like, is, you know, I'm cheap. But, no, like, I'm good. Okay. I'm good, thanks, okay. so. No, that's fair. Uh, all right, Sarah is in L.A. living large, getting ready for the Super Bowl. 
in Woo-hoo. all of its glory. I am insanely jealous, but at the same time, happy that my friend and co-host gets to do cool things there. In the meantime, you've waited all week. We have gone through this game every which way you possibly can. I think it's time to finally get you some predictions. We'll tell you. the the def- You don't even need to watch the game. By the end of the next segment, you'll know who's going to win the Super Bowl. We'll do it next. Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. <laughs> It's Spain and Fitz. It's a Friday. We got the Super Bowl this weekend. We're on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're about to get to our picks and the reason why we made them, but we did ask you on social media for your best big game slash Super Bowl recipes. Uh, I posted mine for my hot onion dip. Again, it's like four ingredients. None of them are good for you. Don't think about it. Just, Just eat it. I also, someone pointed out that it says it's 48 servings which tells you how many servings they had to make it so that the nutritional value didn't just knock you right off your butt. Um, Just forget about it. Super Bowl, it doesn't matter. Uh, We got some chicken enchilada dip. We got all sorts of, you know, some stuffed tater tot jalapeno business wrapped in bacon. This is the one I like, though, Fitz. This is from Madtown Mitch. We always do foods from the city and state of the two teams. So this year, it means we have to serve Skyline Chili, but also glazed donut grilled cheese. Oh, that sounds Grater's good. Grater's ice cream, sushi, Napa wine, taco truck tacos, some weird strawberry donut, French dip Sammies. Really? L.A.? I mean, L.A. is not known for a very specific thing on its own. It has, like, you know, a melting pot of lots of different flavors. I like the idea of some Napa wine and some taco truck tacos. Um, I am not here for a glazed donut grilled cheese. Can we just enjoy a grilled cheese? It's good on its own. Why would you want a grilled cheese on glazed donuts? Well, I know you don't eat uh, red meat, like you don't eat beef. Um, But if if you've never had a uh, donut burger... Like, they are a delight. Like, you you play the State Fair Festival long enough, you end up having a Krispy Kreme burger somewhere. And, like, it is I, – I didn't think it was going to work. And the cheese is actually really good. Like, you got to go cheese on it. Like, so it's meat cheese in the middle of a, a donut. Like, I will ask you because I was talking to Cincinnati, ESPN affiliate there, and I did a nice job of giving them some places in Vegas to eat and then places in Nashville to eat. And, and they were like, where should we go in L.A.? And I'm like – I. I don't know. Like, is there a spot that like is a go-to spot for you when you're in LA? Barney's to go- Beanery okay. is my go-to sports bar. Okay. Barney's Beanery in WeHo was the go-to sports bar back in the day. It was also any Cabo Cantina. There's one on Sunset. There's also one in Brentwood. Q's Billiards, which is right next to the Cabo in Brentwood, um, and also Busby's used to be the jam, but it's oh, okay. been a while. So um, throw those out there. By the way, Madtown Mitch it did uh, add in that they just found out that apple teenies were supposedly invented in L.A. No way. So that will be the welcome cocktail. Oh. That is That seems very L.A., an but, apple teeny. Um, I do love the idea, though, of taking the foods from each city. Like, if I'm having a Super Bowl party from here on out, I'm going to do that. I think that's super fun. What do you do, though, if you don't really like Because I'm with you on this the whole way. Well, that's the problem it needs is, to be a big enough party so uh, that you're not eating it if you don't want it. Yeah, that, Somebody that's else fair. can eat it. Like, because yeah. I just can't get it. And, and this is, look, Grater's ice cream is the single greatest ice cream in the history of the world. And, you're talking you about know, Jenny's. Uh, Jenny's uh, is the best. No, Jenny's. Like, there's a Jenny's in Nashville. I'll skip it. But yeah, I'm telling you, when you're playing in Cincinnati, like, the whole reason you want to play the amphitheater is the entire backstage area is just coolers everywhere full of ice cream like that's like uh, that's what i loved about that place like graders is phenomenal but skyline's just hot garbage i just can't get behind you don't like skyline i haven't tried it i haven't tried it spain and fitz sarah spain jason fitz all right we've we've dilly dallied long enough fitz we've put it off long enough we have to put our names to our picks and good lord we made very similar picks as it turns out i'm looking at the screen 
we uh, we are of the same mind, and that is very troublesome for me. Uh, let's get to Chris Canty uh, from ESPN Radio earlier today, because uh, this is a big part of the of the of the game. Of course, is what happens with that offensive line. Uh, you know, for me, just because the Bengals won even after allowing nine sacks uh, to the Titans, doesn't mean that that can just mean that no matter what happens, they're going to win regardless of protection. And this concern for me is that. When it comes to pass block win rate, which Nicely is hard done. to say, Nicely the done. Bengals are 30th in pass block win rate. When it comes to pass rush win rate, the Rams are first. So you have the team that is the first and best and even better with Vaughn added in partway through the season in pass rush win rate and the team that is 30th in pass block win rate. Will this look like last year? Will this look like Mahomes running around like crazy, can't get anything off? They're probably going to do a lot of play action, a lot of rollouts, but you have to figure out early in this game, do you run early to block and protect Burrow or do you pass more on early downs so you don't get sucked in those third and long situations and take sacks? These are big decisions that will made based on understanding before the game even begins. That is a massive strength on weakness. Here's what Chris Canty said about it. I think the pressure point for both teams lies with the matchup between the Rams secondary and the wide receivers for the Cincinnati Bengals because I think that's going to tell the story as to what this game is ultimately going to look like. We all know that the Cincinnati Bengals offense weakness is on that offensive line. It's one of the worst in football. But my question would be, to counter what the Rams are bringing to the table along that defensive front, you would think Zach Taylor in that offense would focus on being able to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands quickly. A lot of three-step drops, a lot of in-breaking routes, a lot of catch-and-run opportunities for those receivers. The question would be for me is can that Rams secondary limit those opportunities? Can you close down some of those windows over the middle of the field between the numbers in the short and intermediate zones? If they do a good job of that, matching those underneath patterns, then I think you give that pass rush the time that they need in order to get home. What do you think? It's a spectacular analysis by Kenny. And also, I think it creates some opportunities for routes to be jumped, too. You know, you're looking at any opportunity. And the joke I've made all week is that Aaron Donald in the beginning should be introduced as a starting running back for the Bengals. He's going to be in the backfield <laughs> the entire game, right? So I'm looking at this and saying, how do you how do you fix that? Now, the logic in my mind has always been, because I think it's what so many of us are used to seeing, you keep people back to help, but that's not what the Bengals do. So now they're going to have to get rid of the ball incredibly quickly. I wonder early on how they'll get Joe Mixon involved. I do think that there has to be a commitment. Even if you accept the fact that it means you're punting the football, you need to try and establish something with mm-hmm. the run. And I also wonder how much the screen game can be a part of this because you know that they're going to be coming after you. So can you effectively utilize, and I know Mina Kimes always talking about why screens aren't a bigger part of modern NFL offenses. Like this is that situation where I just wonder if you let everybody get upfield early and often in a way that then if you can just get it over them with wide receiver screens and running back screens, can you create the sort of situation where you give yourself a split second of at least slowing down the the pass rush because your your guys aren't going to do it so you're going to have to play call to do it Seth Walder who was on earlier ESPN sports analytics writer was on with our guy Bill Barnwell and if you haven't listened to it yet Bill his last podcast here before the Super Bowl talks to Ben Baby of the Bengals and then Seth and what he talked about is if you look at the largest difference in the regular season in EPA per drop back and EPA per designed carry 
It was the Rams and the Bengals. These were the two teams that you could be most confident in saying they run the ball too much. The numbers are screaming for Cincinnati to pass more. So Mina talks about this too. People get so frustrated on social media when they're like, why are they running on the early downs? Why are they pass more, pass more? And they think it's just because people are either analytics crazy or it's sexier or they don't like the run game. It has nothing to do with that. If you look at the numbers, both of these teams had the largest difference in the regular season in EPA per dropback and design carry. They were supposed to be running the ball a lot less than they they were. The question is, have they figured it out by the time they've gotten to this game? I know what you're saying. You have to have the run. You can't abandon it all together, but you can't go to it so often for fear of what the Rams defense line is going to do to you at the hindrance of your actual offense running best. Yeah, I, I a thousand percent agree. I mean, I, at some point, what you've got to do, you've got to try and establish the run to actually establish the run too. Like, But look look at the, some of the difference we saw first half, second half for, for Cincinnati. They ran the ball much better in the second half. It helped them. And, and I, I think we over sometimes we get so and not we you and I but as a general football community to the fans that are screaming you get so enticed by the sexiness of big huge plays all the time and sometimes it's just about sustaining drives and that's mm-hmm. you know it, it, at some point that's what Cincinnati's going to have to really focus on is not just can Jamar Chase get an 80 yard touchdown here and there it's can they sustain drives also Cincinnati's got to be much much better in this game in the red zone. They have had red zone difficulties yes. throughout the course of the playoffs. When you when you tighten everything in, they have had a hard time trying to get touchdowns instead of field goals, and that's going to be huge in this game. The other thing is extending drives because the Rams have been great getting stops on third down. If the Bengals can extend drives, can make those conversions on third down, they have a chance to tire out the defense and make it tough for them to chase, and that gives Joe Burrow more time to cook. So what's a, we've gone through all of this, you know, back and forth. I think, you know, it's pick time, right? It's time. So it's time. It, it's right. time. Uh, I will go first. Okay. I will go first. Um, I'm picking the Bengals, man. Mm. Mm. And I surprised myself with this pick. I've got the Bengals winning 26-21. I've got Burrow as your MVP. I, I didn't, first of all, want to get caught up like I did last year. The favored team, the team with the experience, the team with the – you know, better roster in terms of pro bowlers and first rounders and, and all of that. It may be a, a terrible choice because I may go the, the way uh, the game went last year, which was Mahomes running around like crazy because the O-line couldn't protect him. We could see that again on Sunday. I would not be shocked. But there's something about this Bengals team. There's something about the defense, the versatility that they've shown, their ability to match their opponent and show them looks that they aren't ready for. I think Stafford's inconsistency will end up costing this time, and the luck he's had will run out. I think it's the Bengals game. It's amazing that we see this so similarly uh, because I agree with you through all of this. Uh, Joe Burrow has not made the same mistakes that Stafford has made throughout the course of the year. I think the Bengals win this in an incredibly close 34-31 game. I've got MVP Burrow because I, I, I think that makes sense, but I would not be surprised, hot take, to see Aaron Donald have such a massive day that he gets the MVP award in a loss. That's how big an impact so I think it makes. So rare, though, for that I to know. happen. Yeah. 